Well, I want to start off in John's Gospel, chapter 10. <clears throat> A very familiar passage. Jesus speaking. It's very interesting when you realize that John chapter 9 is also part of John chapter 10 because originally there were no chapter divisions, were there? So you need to put it into the context of everything that went before and the wonderful thing that happened in John chapter 9 is that this man who was born blind, everybody thought he'd sinned and Jesus said no, it's so that the glory of God should be made known. So, you know, when things happen to you, don't think that it's because of something bad. It might be for something good. And uh, here's Jesus healing this man, and the Pharisees are coming up. And Jesus says at the end of chapter 9, when Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man and said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? The man answered, Who is he? Sir, because I would like to. You have seen him, Jesus said, and he is speaking to you. Yes, Lord, the man said. I believe, and he worshipped Jesus. Then Jesus told him, I have come to judge the world. I have come to give sight to the blind and to show those who think they see that they are blind. The Pharisees who were standing there heard him and asked, Are you saying we are blind? If you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty, Jesus replied. But you remain guilty because you claim you can see. I assure you, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold, other than going through the gate, must surely be a thief and a robber, for a shepherd enters the gate. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they recognize his voice. They won't follow a stranger and they will run from him because they don't recognize his voice. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant. Isn't that encouraging? <laughs> They were there, they saw Jesus, they heard Jesus in the flesh, and they still didn't understand him. So when you read the scriptures, and you're reading it umpteenth hand, it's okay if you don't understand him, just go on, just press in, and he'll show you. So he said, um, explained it to them, he said, I assure you, I am the gate for the sheep. Later on, he says in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. And then in verse 14 again he says, I am the good shepherd. And when I first was reading this and pondering over it, I, um, I thought, why on earth did Jesus say that? Why didn't he say, I am the master provider? Or why didn't he say, I am the great healer? Why didn't he say, I am the one who's going to lead you into victory against your enemies? Because that's exactly what they were expecting. 
and they would have really responded to that. Instead, he talked about being a shepherd. The thing is that the people who were listening to Jesus, they would have understood everything about shepherds and sheep. They would have, it would have been very familiar to them. When I was growing up and living in Wales, it was not uncommon to drive up into the Welsh valleys and find that there were sheep all over the road and sheep that would enter somebody's garden and start eating their things. So, you know, if you lived in that sort of culture, you'd know a lot about sheep. And they would have known a lot about shepherds. This would have been quite simple to them, that what Jesus was saying. For those who had ears to hear, they would have also taken on board the fact that Jesus was fulfilling things that had been prophesied in Isaiah and Ecclesiastes and Zechariah and Ezekiel. That he says in Ezekiel, so I'm going to go back now, I'm going to go back to Zechariah chapter 11 and Ezekiel 34. Ezekiel 34 is a fantastic chapter. Uh, I don't know if you, if you do a search on shepherd, on your phone, in the Bible, on your phone. I found it comes up with something like 70 different places where the word shepherd is used, and that's just in the Old Testament, you know. Um, Because it's a very familiar concept, because the people of Israel were shepherds. And so it's only natural that Jesus refers to himself as the good shepherd. And in Ezekiel 34... It's a phenomenal chapter because it talks about the shepherds of Israel as having failed in their task. And these are the things that they did uh, in verse 7, uh, verse 8, sorry. You abandoned my flock, left them to be attacked by every wild animal. Though you were my shepherds, you didn't search for my sheep when they were lost. You took care of yourselves and left the sheep to starve. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. I now consider these shepherds my enemies, and I will hold them responsible for what has happened to my flock. I will take away their right to feed the flock, along with their right to feed themselves. And then in the next section, he talks about the good shepherd. And he says... This, in verse 11, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, I myself will search and find my sheep. I will be like a shepherd looking for its scattered flock. I will find my sheep and rescue them from all the places to which they were scattered on that dark and cloudy day. I will bring them back home to their own land of Israel from among the peoples and nations. How up to date is that? And that's what God's done in recent years, hasn't he? In our lifetime, in my lifetime anyway, some of yours as well, brought them back home to their land. But here's the thing that they would have immediately latched onto. Jesus said, I come as the good shepherd. And the good shepherd 
searches for the sheep. So when Jesus said in the story in Luke 15 about the shepherd going out and searching for his sheep, when he said about the lost coin and the woman searching for the lost coin, when he said about the son and the father looking out for the son and welcoming him home, he was actually fulfilling some of the things that were sown into their history that they were looking for. This was the searching shepherd going out and finding the lost sheep. So Jesus saying that, it was a messianic fulfillment of what they were to look for in the Messiah who they knew was coming. So it's a fantastic passage. But then in Zechariah chapter 11, this is what I felt God speak to me about this morning. Because it's undoubtedly true that as a church, you have God's favor. It's undoubtedly true that God is blessing you. And I was reminded, when Jill and I were talking about this this morning, about this passage in Zechariah chapter 11. And um, Zechariah chapter 11, verse 4. This is what the Lord my God says, Go and care for a flock that is intended for slaughter. Isn't that fantastic? Go and care for a flock that's intended for slaughter. I don't know about you, but I, when I was a boy, I had an aunt who lived in Biddeford, uh, which is where Jill was born. Well, it wasn't the same place where Jill was born, but Biddeford's the town where Jill was born. And uh, I used to go there on holiday. And just around the corner from where my auntie lived was the local slaughterhouse. And I used to love to go around and stand there and watch what happened. That's a bit gory, isn't it? (laughs) But I've seen what they do. And, you know, and you can go in there and you can hear the sheep as they're waiting for slaughter. And you can see the cows as they're waiting for slaughter. So this is amazing. Jesus said, I'm going to go and care for the sheep that are identified for slaughter. Now it may be that he's thinking about the sheep uh, that are sold to the priests for slaughtering as sacrifices. You know, but this is a fundamental thing. We're all counted as sheep for the slaughter really, until God rescues us and brings us new life. You see? So he says, I'm going to go and care for the sheep for the, for slaughter. So in verse 7 it says, So I cared for the flock intended for slaughter. And it is the flock that was oppressed. Now here's the bit. I took two shepherd's staffs and named one favor, and the other one, union. And that's what God sort of spoke to me about this morning. He's given you, as a church, the staff of favor and the staff of union. So you're going to find favor, and you're going to bring unity that was spoken about this morning You're going to bring unity and you're going to see people brought into relationship with their rightful father. And you're going to see unity, I think, in in many different contexts. Favor 
and union. And you see, in verse 8, it says, I got rid of their three evil shepherds in a single month. But I became impatient with these sheep, this nation, and they hated me too, so I told them, I won't be your shepherd any longer. If you die, you die. If you're killed, you're killed. And those who remain will devour each other. Then I took my staff called favor and snapped it in two, showing that I had revoked the covenant. And that was the end of my covenant. And he, he, he took the other one as well somewhere. But the thing is this, why sheep? Because these sheep actually got fed up with the shepherd, even though they were destined for slaughter, and here was one bringing them favor and union, they got fed up with the shepherd. And and the thing that I've been mulling on this morning is, Lord, we need to be careful as sheep, that we don't actually get to the point where the shepherd, and well, let's talk about Jesus, our shepherd, all right, not Rob or anybody else in the church who's like a shepherd, because the leadership is meant to be shepherds, okay? But don't let's talk about that. Let's talk about the great shepherd. If the great shepherd has to break the staff of his favor over you, you know you're going to be vulnerable, You're going to be open to all sorts of things. And things will come to you that will hurt you, that will damage you, that will upset you, that will bring you down. So we need to stay lined to the shepherd. So one of the things I want to talk about is how you do that. How do the sheep stay lined up with the shepherd? Because there's lots of things about bad shepherds. And there's some things about good shepherds. And in John 10, I read to you about the good shepherd. Now, we've got some things about good shepherds on there, Sarah, somewhere. Good shepherds, there you go. John chapter 10, he enters by the gate. And the sheep hear and recognize his voice. He knows the sheep by name. and so You know, that first one, he enters by the gate... And he says, Jesus said, I am the gate. I am the door for the sheep. You know, that's a strange one, isn't it? Well, why wouldn't he enter by the gate? But the thing is, Jesus was talking about a situation where they'd all put their sheep into that one enclosure and they'd gone off for the night and rested and come back and the gatekeeper had opened up to them and let them in and they called their sheep out by name and said, come and follow me. But when Jesus was talking about this, they would have known that when they went out for weeks at a time, following the pasture, getting the sheep to the right place, the shepherd would have put the sheep in the fold, and then he would have lain down and slept across the doorway, so that sheep coming out would have to go over him, and anything coming in would have to go over him as well. And you read about what David said. David said, oh, he said, I fought with the lions and I fought with the bears to protect the sheep. You see, so this is the sort of shepherd we're talking about. And not only is that true, but the context, the meaning of this verse is also this. He is the door, he is the gate for the sheep. So 
He leads the sheep to safety. They go through him to safety. They come out through him to go to pasture. So if God's your door, he's your gate, he's leading you into the right places for pasture, and he's bringing you into the right places for safety. Do you see? So it's not just that he's lying there like a block. He's actually the process through which you go. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. He's the process by which you come through into all these things. All right? So then um, I want to come back to the sheep here and recognize his voice. He knows his sheep by name. That's wonderful, isn't it? That God knows you. He knows... Not only does he know your name, but you see, he's known you from before the foundations of the world. He knew you before you were the seed implanted in your mother's womb. He knew you. He had a future for you. He had a name for you. He knows everything about you. I wonder what your name is in heaven. And I gave him a name written on a stone that no man knows, save the one who's been given it. What's God got? What's his name for you? You know, is it overcomer? Is it the one who's going to stand up and be bold? I wonder what the name is that God's got for you. Lord, what is it you're saying about me? You need to find out, don't we? Lord, what is it I should be? Who do you see me as? What do you see me as? He knows you by name, and he cares for and protects them. The next slide I've got, uh, the one about the sheep. Sheep characteristics. Just let's quickly scan through this one. Timid, fearful, look at this. I just have a little look through those. Easily influenced. Number five, they stampede easily. Vulnerable to mob psychology. Little or no means of self-defense. Number eight, the shepherd is the most effective calming influence. And number 10, they constantly need fresh water and fresh pasture. And 11, they have very little discernment in choosing food or water. Now number 12, think about what God's been speaking to us this morning about the rain. The best water source for the sheep is the early morning dew, which comes down. Isn't that good? Are you ever perverse and stubborn? Number 14 speaks to me, easily cast. That means they're flipped over on their back. Unable to right themselves, they'll die of starvation if not turned over by the shepherd. They're helpless. You know, um, Gordon Harvey, a shepherd, young farmer that we knew when we were young, still know him. Um, He said to me, you know... In Genesis, it talks about Jacob seeing the sheep when he was going to sacrifice Isaac. And it says he turned around and he saw a ram caught by its horns in the thicket. God said, that never, ever happens. You never find a ram caught by the strongest part of its body. He said, you will often find them caught up by their fleece but never by their horns. Isn't that amazing? Because God had put it there, it was caught. So, you know, can you imagine what it must be like to be a sheep and every year 
somebody comes along and at a certain time of year you've grown this fleece. It's taken you all year to grow it. And suddenly there's bits beginning to drop off and it's getting tangled. You're beginning to get caught up a bit. But somebody grabs you, puts you through in between their knees, hangs onto you and strips all the coat off. You know? They've been fleeced. <laughs> well and truly fleeced. You know? But hey, the fleece was good, wasn't it? The fleece is what is prized before you prize the meat. The fleece is repeated progress. It's good. But it has to go because otherwise it will make them top heavy and they will easily fall over. So think about the number of times when God comes to you and things that you've done and you feel proud about suddenly bite the dust. God says, no, I want something else to grow. I want you to learn new things. I want you to develop in new ways. You've been fleeced by God for good reason because even the good things can trip you up. So, are you stubborn and perverse and you want to hang on to all the things that God's trying desperately to take away from you so that you can go on to the next thing? Well, be careful. Um... Creatures of habit, there you go. Get into ruts. And number 22 is a good one. They need the rod and the staff. The staff is what you use, I'll tell you about that in a minute, when you pull the leg and grab the, the, the sheep. If you're sure. But three of the greatest things I learned about sheep, I learned from a chap called David Milton who is the fellow that Rob went to see one day and uh, crashed his car coming down the lane and ended up in the, in the hedge. In a tree, embedded in the tree, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Slipped on the road full of sheep poo, yeah. But David Milton was a shepherd and uh, I learned three real good lessons from him. One was when he, he took me with him to take a sheep that had been in a pen and it was now going to rejoin the flock. So we sort of carried this sheep across into the field. He opened the gate and we went in and took the sheep in. And then I thought, that's it, job done. Sheep's in the field. I could see the flock right over there, down in the corner, down the slope. And I thought, job done. And they said to me, no, no, no. They said, we cannot leave the sheep up there it will be lost. You have to take the sheep down to see the flock. When it sees the flock, it'll be okay. But if you leave it up there, it'll just wander around lost and distressed. It won't meet up with the flock. Now, that really spoke to me. Yet people come into the church, and they come in, or people who come to Christ... And they've accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Well, somebody needs to get alongside them and lead them in and begin to talk to them and tell them and encourage them about the things that will happen. You know, one day they're going to be fleeced. 
and it'll be a real shame if they go through this process and nobody's prepared them for it and told them how good it is. They will hit hard times. They will hit difficulties. So, you know, it just speaks to me about how as a church and as a people we need to process people in sensitively into the kingdom of God. And then the second thing that I learned was um, the second thing I learned was when when David said to me just grab that sheep there when he gave me his hook I said grab it oh yeah grab it but he said I want to see its feet so I upended it and I looked at the feet and it was full of live maggots all crawling around in the feet of the sheep horrible isn't it they needed to be brushed out with some special stuff that would kill them and then the hoof needed to be trimmed and you know do you remember Jesus said in John's gospel I want to wash your feet see and what did Peter say oh no 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 he's not going to wash my feet Lord and he said, well, if I don't wash your feet, you won't have any part of me. He said, oh, well, in that case, wash all of me. And Jesus said, no, no, he who is bathed doesn't need to be washed except for his feet. Now, do you see, you can pick up things as you walk around. Things can get into you that will nibble away at you. And I talk about depression, oppression. You can talk about, you talk to some people and their story just, ah, it brings you down. You can talk to some people and be in their presence and you come away, and I know Jill said this to me several times, she said, I come away from that person, I feel unclean. Do you know there are times when you need to just brush yourself off spiritually? There needs to be a cleansing. There needs to be a washing. There needs to be a refreshing. There needs to be, not the whole thing, thank God, but there are things that need to be washed off. They need to be brushed off. And if you don't do it, you'll find yourself manifesting some of the things that you've been hearing about. You know? So... Sometimes you go, why am I feeling like this? Why am I feeling so angry and miserable and niggly inside? And you just remember that you had a conversation with somebody about the very same thing. You need to just stand and say, Lord, I'm not having this. This is not part of my experience. I'll wash it away in the name of Jesus. All right? The third thing I remember from David was we took... The, um, I don't know, it was the Land Rover or the van or something. We went into the field to feed the sheep. You know, the sheep were way over the other side of the field. But David went out and he got his bucket and he was banging on his bucket and he was shouting, going, oi, 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 oi. You know, those sheep came running from the farthest corner of the field. And they didn't run and get frightened. They came and they ran right up to him and right around us because they knew the feed that was coming to them. 
So my question is, Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. I think, well, do you know the voice of the shepherd? And when you hear the voice of the shepherd, what's your reaction? Do you think, oh no, oh no, I don't want any more. Or do you say, oh great, more food, let's go running. And then he said, they won't go to the voice of a stranger, they'll run away from a stranger. Well, in Hebrews, it talks about those who have learned, it says in the, I think the authorized, learned by practice to distinguish good from evil, or those who've learned from experience to distinguish good from evil. Do you know, you learn from experience by getting it wrong. It's true, isn't it? So you go into things and you'll suddenly realize, oh Lord, I made a mistake here. Well, you need to turn around and get out of it and brush it off. But you see, if you continually make the same mistakes, there's something really missing, isn't there? You need to learn the lesson and get released from it. So Jesus is saying that my sheep know my voice, but they also recognize that the voice that is not from me. So they're quite aware that actually that's something I'm going to run away from. So when he talks in the New Testament about um, flee youthful lusts and things like that, you know, it's talking about putting off certain things, running away from them, don't have anything to do with this and that. Well, if you've been listening to the voice of the shepherd and you know what he's saying, then you'll run away because you'll see the things that are wrong and you'll run away from them. So, there we go. If you're doing those things, what I feel this morning is this. Favour and union will be yours. And you'll keep in God's favour. And you'll keep that power of union. You know? And you look for the shepherds who come through the gate... The gatekeeper opens the gate for him. The sheep hear his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. He walks ahead of them and they follow him. They won't follow a stranger. Do you know, down in John 10 and verse 9, Jesus said, Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. That is, they will be healthy, healed, and whole. It's the sozo word. Wherever they go, they will find green pastures. And I just thought about that the other day. Wherever they go, wherever they go, they will find green pastures. And actually, they're not somebody else's pasture, but they're actually the pasture that God's given you. You know, so the thing is, it doesn't matter where you go. If you're one of these sheep in the master's fold, wherever you go, there'll be green pasture. You'll find it. 
you'll find it. You won't have to go looking for it. It'll be there. Wherever you go, you'll find green pastures. Isn't that wonderful? So God will never lead you into a desert place unless it's for the purpose of dealing with some of those things that need to be stripped off. And then he'll bring you into the fruitful land, the place of his favor and blessing. So if I've got a word for you as a church, it's this. God's given you two shepherd's crooks, one of favor and one of unity. And he wants you to use them as his people to bring people in to the flock. Make sure that when they come in, you actually nurture and nourish and tend them properly. Make sure you teach them how to hear and respond to the voice of the shepherd. And look out for the times when you need to wash each other off and just encourage one another in the process.